Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? It's going great. Firing on all cylinders. It's because you have sunshine in your life and not just because I'm around, but because say. we are in sunny, sunny Florida. And yeah, it's it's been it's it's done wonders for you, Glassford. It really has. I guess so. So we're here <laughs> back again this week. Uh thank you for all the feedback on the last couple of episodes. It seems like the planning the season episode we did just last week, right? Yeah, uh, yeah went over well uh so we do have that bonus up there if you asked about the spreadsheet to plan the season so we've done that and refined that and we have a bunch of races that are you know that our clients people we work with are doing it's sort of uh you know canadian slash u.s endurance series centric but you can plug in your own races but those a bunch are in there which is very convenient because they also are linked to the race websites in a lot of cases which it's a nice little touch there. So yeah, if you want to get that spreadsheet, if you just head back to either the show notes page from last week's episode, uh, or if you just head over to Instagram and click the link in bio, it's the first link at the top. Sure. Uh, and that will get you the spreadsheet if you and are again, trying to yeah, thank figure you, out. <laughs> thank you to everyone who commented or, or messaged. We do appreciate just you know what resonated for you. And, and in a few cases, people mentioned other things. Of course, there's always add-ons and things we forgot, which I, I did call out for at the beginning of that episode. So uh, thank you for that as well. Some good thoughts and ideas. Mm-hmm. Well, and speaking of race calendars, today's episode is a little bit inspired by our own race calendar this season. So one of the big races on Peter's schedule, which means on our schedule, is the Quebec single track experience. Actually, it's funny. Someone was just asking me if I was going to go back to Quebec Mega Trail QMT this season. And I was like, actually, I won't, but I will be in Quebec pretty much at that same time uh, just because of, yeah. Uh, Quebec single track. We can't like combo this into an even super. We more cannot super. stop it. Stop <laughs> it right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're going to this is Quebec single track experience. It's uh, five days. It's all actually weekdays, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Monday to Friday. That's and right. To be clear, this is mountain biking, a mountain bike stage race. Right. Right. Uh, just figured. I just realized I mentioned and the trail you can race. race. You can tour it. They have a ride and a race option. Uh, you know, it's always your choice in these stage races, anyhow. But they have sort of two separate designations. I believe the ride also lets you if you needed to shortcut anything so you shouldn't be scared about doing it you can make it scary if you want to uh, and you can be nervous if you want to but you also shouldn't be if, if if you're just going to ride and enjoy it and tour you know five great areas that's really the unique thing about this race is it's five unique areas in quebec that are just great centers for for racing and riding uh, that they take you to each day. So you're getting the sampling of some of Quebec's finest trails. Yeah. And I mean, like like most mountain bike stage races, what we really love about it is like the summer camp vibe that's definitely going to be present there. Uh, we're definitely, you know, consummate athletes going to be there. It's going to be consummate athlete summer camp. We already have quite a few people we know who are going to I think, it. So. Yeah. Using our codes, which will, you can find those in the show notes uh, to get, I, I still think $100 off, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's still good. And then there's also a draw code. So you can 
can use both of them, I believe, uh, depending on which packages you're using. There are some restrictions there. But uh, in any case, we have, I, I think we're over 10, you know, even excluding us maybe now, uh, sort of who who would consider themselves coming th- through Consummate Athlete, whether that's the podcast or coaching clients or, or friends. And weirdly, I think this is actually really interesting if you're listening to this and you're someone like me who maybe loves the idea of doing something like this, but is maybe a little nervous that you're going to show up and not have anyone to talk to and it's just going to be kind of an awkward situation and i will say like rarely are they an awkward situation usually you can find someone to talk to pretty easily even if you don't know anyone but uh you know us so if you come to it you can definitely hang out uh uh, with with the consummate athlete crew so i think that's going to be really fun and so that actually prompted today's episode so we have rafael gagne canadian olympian mountain biker currently the quebec provincial mountain bike coach if i'm not Mm -hmm. mistaken yeah which we recorded this before that got announced but i we were hearing the rumblings uh just as we were recording this podcast it was back and forth but yeah he's done he's already been out on camps i think they were in spain so congrats to coach raf on that uh but so yeah we cover the whole you know regrets things he loved about what he learned through being an olympic caliber mountain biker um all the way up to you know coaching now he was working and and i think still is working with some youth and, and at a center in quebec as well um yeah just we really cover the whole you know and right up to learning languages and and traveling as well so i'm actually really excited about this episode because it is coming out on valentine's day and you know what in a weird way raf is one of the reasons that we met each other could be so we were (laughs) i'm just gonna throw this in because it's valentine's day and i can so when we were at the first ever uci cyclocross race in china almost 10 years ago uh Raf's friend JP is the one who told you what my name was after you had left. Okay. This sounds like JP is more responsible. But... Well, I only met JP <laughs> because he right. stayed at my house with Raf Gagne uh, when they needed someone to host them for Northampton Cyclocross the year prior. So if it had not been for Raf Racing Cross, we might not have met. Well, and I guess that's the thing, isn't it? The world is small and the cycling world, the endurance sport world is, is even smaller. So you definitely want to keep those friends close. And yeah, we've had Raf down to California a few times to train as well. So uh, a good friend along the way. We've enjoyed many a, a walk and a hike and a couple beers on the beach along the way as well. Beach. Yes. All right. But before we get into this episode, we just have to quickly talk all about Athletic Greens and AG1, which I would be talking about even if I didn't have to talk about it, to be honest. Uh, So AG1 is 75 minerals, uh, vitamins, probiotics, prebiotics, adaptogens, superfoods, and of course, greens. It did start out as greens, but it has since developed. I think they're on their 54th iteration of the formula, if I'm not mistaken. And honestly, it is one of the best things that I have ever added to my regimen. We're now over a year of using it, and I've been so happy about it. And I mean, we've been talking a lot about stage racing. We're obviously talking about it right now. You and Raf talk about it in the conversation. And honestly, you know, while it's fine to you know have these couple few days of the year where you're maybe not the most nutrient dense and you're mainly focusing on those simple carbs to keep the engine you know revved i guess stoked whatever you want to call it um i do think it is nice when you can just kind of add in that one thing that's going to keep all of your 
vitamins, minerals, etc. kind of at like a reasonable level so you don't end up with scurvy by the end of a stage race. Mm -hmm. And we talk about, you know, every week when we do these uh, ads, we're, we're talking about the fact that it's NSF uh, for sport. Uh, certified, uh, which is important as well, because we're talking about racing here as well. Uh, so we want to be careful that there's not extra stuff that might screw up your gut. Uh, or, you know, if you were being drug tested in some way, you know, certainly you don't need a, a drug test to go awry. Exactly. Yeah. And of course, it's also, you know, keto friendly, paleo friendly, vegan friendly, dairy free, gluten free, no GMOs, no anything really other than the good stuff. And honestly, you know, I think if there's one supplement you can take, that just makes your medicine cabinet so much more organized, so much easier to deal with. Mm -hmm. And you know the the founder story is is that you know they ended up with gut health stuff. They were really down health wise, and then they ended up with this medicine cabinet. You know, hundreds of dollars a month plus. Uh, and to, we've all been there. Yeah, and so you know that was sort of the inspiration to try and find something that would help you know improve health, uh, but not be many many supplements, and then also you know just hugely hugely expensive. Yes. So to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, which is the lovely, tasty droplet situation, and five free travel packs with your first purchase. The travel packs are perfect for a stage race like QSE that is five days. Boom. There you go. You're already packed. <laughs> so all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash Molly H. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash Molly H to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right. And with that, let's get into this conversation with Raph Gagne. All right. We're back. I am excited today. We have my longtime friend, one of my, I would say, top five, maybe top three riding companions ever. It depends on the day and what we're doing. But Raphael Gagne is here on the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Welcome back. Hey, Peter. I'm happy to be here with, with you and uh, your crew. And uh, yeah, like long-term training partner and, uh, and adventure partner for me. Training has always been adventure. So yeah. And I said, welcome back. You haven't been on the show before, but it feels like we've had these long conversations. <laughs> so had we been recording, it would be welcome back, but welcome back to talking to me, I guess. Absolutely. Um, that, that's a pleasure. And I, I feel like I'm, I'm back talking to you. You know, we, we always add these, these formal and informal discussion about uh, racing and training in life. So yeah, that, that's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's interesting. The places you go in, you're away right now. You're in, I'm not going to say it right, and you're going to help me with my pronunciation, but you're in Sao Paulo. Yeah, that was right. That's good. So Sao Paulo, a town of 30 million, part of the world's top five town in terms of uh, population on the east coast of South America. So that's Brazil. So if you look at, at South America, the three biggest towns are Rio de Janeiro, uh, where there's been the Olympics I went to, um, and Sao Paulo, Brazil, and then a little further down is uh, Buenos Aires in Argentina. Now, they speak Spanish there? They speak Portuguese. So Brazil is about 275 million people. It's a huge country, and it's all Portuguese, so conquered from Portugal. And uh, it's all Portuguese, but any of the other uh, South American or Latin American country is Spanish. Now, I didn't realize, I knew you spoke three languages, but you say you speak five. Is this new that you speak five languages or, or what's the story there? Well, I speak, I, I got to learn uh, Italian uh, through my career, uh, staying a little bit in, in Europe. Um, 
there's a little bit of a love story there as well, but that's past and uh, now Brazil. So I, I don't live currently in Brazil. My wife is from, uh, from here, from Sao Paulo. Um, we've been together for three years and uh, we spent as an athlete uh, times here for training, like two, three months for two winters. And then uh, there was the pandemic. And in the last two years, we only spent like a year, uh, a month and a half each year. So, yeah, so we're here for a month and a half. Okay. Christmas. So you're skipping some of the shoulder season in Quebec? Some of the what? The sh- we call it the shoulder season. So between the like winter and the, the summer. Yeah, it- yeah. Okay. The, the transition or like the, the rain, the slosh, the, the like no bike, no skiing season. <laughs> um, yeah. Apparently, it's really good. Like it's it's transi- transitioning really quick. But uh, yeah, there's going to be bad surprises for sure in the, the next few weeks. And um, that's always been the toughest time, I think, as an athlete that that period. And uh, I'm going to say now as a human, it's the toughest period, like that end of November, beginning of, of December, like um i'm not I'm a retired professional cyclist and uh, I, I still enjoy cycling and many other sports and it's tough like there's not many like easy fun out outdoor activities to do in that period so right right and that's maybe i guess where the gym or i I try and convince folks that we want to go out and walk in rain suits but people don't like my walking in the rain okay well i like hiking so hiking in the in the rain i i I never uh i never uh bothered about it i always liked it now, I wondered if I, we hadn't spoken a while. Uh, we thought maybe it's been, what did we decide? Three or four years since we... I think it's three, I think it's, uh, three and a half years. So beginning of the season, 2019, and uh, the week after I was turning Pan Am champ in, in Mexico, um, I, I just remembered like in the last five minutes, like uh, I, I put things in, in order and I remember uh, training periodization. And uh, yeah, I, I was in Victoria for the national team camp that Canada cups. And uh, we, we did that hike in Bear Mountain. And, uh, and yeah, that was a, a long time coming. And uh, I'm, like, we're going to talk about it, but that's, that's one of my key achievements that I'm, I'm really proud of. So walking with me in Victoria. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and what it led to. <laughs> Oh, I see. Okay, fair enough. That's a good teaser. Now, I wondered if you had, uh, we hadn't spoke and where I was going with this is that I wasn't sure if you were using that retirement word or not. So I was hesitant to put that in. So you're you're saying that you've retired from XCO racing. Yeah, retired and assumed. (laughs) So I raced my last uh, World Cup in in May, like the last uh, Olympic selection in May of 2021 kept racing for a bit during the summer. I actually raced a Quebec single track experience, six day stage race uh, with my wife. We did it as a team. Uh, That was kind of a first retirement plan, uh, a bit of stage racing and that was fun. Um, And now I'm coaching and teaching a little bit in in Quebec. So different kind of stuff. Yeah. So we do get questions about retirement and checking in with athletes. So that was one of the things, you know, the Quebec single track was another reason I wanted you on here to talk about stage races and, and the Quebec ones in particular, but in your retirement now, what are you, how are you doing? What are you finding different? Uh, you know, what are you liking? I guess let's start with <laughs> the first one. Like, how are you finding not having to be training? Uh, <laughs> not having to be training. Um, I'm, I'm still like, so active what i love is that i can do like 
unlimited hours of outdoor activity i don't have to pace myself down with with these kind of stuff like i do enjoy a lot of adventure now so like whether it's bike whether it's hiking whether it's it's uh, rock climbing or ice climbing as well so like uh and all the fitness i carried like like we we started the backcountry skiing uh last year and we we enjoy it so much and and you do need the good fitness if you want to enjoy the the big mountains and the big, big adventure stuff now have you had any trouble with injuries or you know adapting to any of these new movements as you've come out of of you know so intense on biking not really um i think that that's a good opportunity to say that my training philosophy has, has always been like a lot about multi-sport yes i trained a lot during the winter on the bike whether it's fat bike whether it's at training camps and i i biked too much in, in some part of my career maybe and and got injured from from cycling over years injury but um most of my career i i kept running during most of the the training season a little less during the the racing season but uh yeah multi-sport like i always uh, enjoyed cross-country skiing walking running hiking those were the the, the key ones uh and my early part of my professional career i had a lot of gym included um i know i could have had a lot more gain keeping with gym uh but i only focused on the the core and stuff like that because i got injured in at like mid career uh actually in california when i was like training a lot on the bike i was kind of early peaking and i think i, I was just like a bit too strong and but too weak yeah and got injured from uh from a training in the gym doing squats so like, i remember I, i think i was there put that put that yeah. aside yeah 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 well it happens right and whether we can avoid it that's always the the thing right like absolutely so, so do you just never do strength or you know it's in in hindsight it's perfect right yeah of course you shouldn't have been squatting that much or something but yeah, yeah. no i i think i found ways to compensate compensate the the gym that i didn't want to go there um like i did a lot of yoga in, in a part of my career that helped me with, with core and strength and flexibility and uh just to go back with your question which was re really good i I overdid a bit of rock climbing in the in the later end of the winter and I injured a finger like a pulley injury which is like a classic rock climbing injury like I just climbed too much in a three week period and uh, I weakened some um, ligaments and I got a tear but yeah that's that that's classic and I got like rehab for that like yep. I did physio and it's a uh, it's good so cool It's good to hear. Yeah. And it's whether we can avoid it, you know, you have to be careful and, and you know, it's what was going climbing worth it. It's hard to say. Same with running, right? A lot of times it's that ligament tendons. They just don't adapt as fast as the heart and lungs and the, especially when you're fit to yeah. start off with. Yeah. It's good that you mentioned running because I think it's a good complement to, to cycling and uh, a lot of cyclists go there in the fall in the transition period as well with, with cyclocross as well. But yeah, lots of cyclists, it triggers some injuries sometimes the, the the running so we have to be careful and uh, be really progressive in uh in integrating new activities new movements new sport so sure sure okay uh from there then you know you, you sort of touched on you you did have a, a fairly long career i think um like you were I doing think i did yeah you were, you started very young i remember you and i don't know if i remember maybe in cadet As, as maybe that far back uh but 14 15 at least i remember 
but you you started very young right yeah exactly like i started swim comp when i was six and that brought me to triathlon at age eight for two years and in the meantime i started mountain biking as well and uh right from there like i started mountain biking and like these sports became secondary and then i picked up cross-country skiing in the winter as a training for mountain bike but i would say like i was professionally training when i was maybe 14 years old 13 years old but um still like fun stuff um still healthy like i always swam during the winter for like about like six seven eight even eight months out of the year so that was a good uh, a good balance until i was a junior actually so and i did the world championship every year throughout my career except for that one year i injured my back in 2011 um i had the setback year but i came back uh, fully healed and um yeah super motivated and i think that that brought uh, a fresh mindset and a fresh leg for for the second part of my my career if i can put it this way and uh a lot of win to myself for uh, the 2016 um quadrennials one thing that always struck out to me about the way you seem to prepare most years was you seem to do like rather than being away the whole winter you'd go back home and you'd fat bike and like you say you're skiing you're doing these i think you're probably spending time with family and friends and you know being home i think you were going to school some of those years probably how much of that do you think like do you ever regret doing that do you ever think oh i should have went and trained in the sun year round um yeah like the, there's uh i'm gonna in, answer this question in in two phase uh for sure i can reg- regret like i think uh some of the training theory is as i could have incorporated more base more volume younger and for a longer period of time like consistently like throughout the years um would that have worked for me no one knows um but i think that that would have been a plus for um, consistency throughout the racing season um i'm not shy about it i've been someone that that has had really good years but i've had a hard time having consistent uh performance throughout a long racing season that includes jet lags and multiple travel multiple training camps um but if i go at the why i did it the way i did is a good part of the answer is uh i've been in school up until 2017 i did my my bachelor degree in phys ed teaching um which is a four-year program i did it out of like nine years and uh, there was a two-year um pause for the olympic and post-olympic year which was more busy in terms of sponsors demands and travel and like Ah, all things professionalism for as a cyclist like all things demand so yeah like uh in those years i was in school i had to keep my training camps short and i had to to be able to train in in the cold like i always enjoyed cross-country skiing and, and fat biking is like i only fat biked like two two years in my whole career. I think cyclocross is a, a lot bigger part of my career, actually. Like, I did enjoy a, a lot of cyclocross in the fall. 
Yeah. And I don't think I certainly was more of a compliment is how I meant it. You know, it was always the like, oh, what if, but I I also think it was the key to a, you would come out. So two things. So I think it was your path and and how you were able to go from the age of six to where where did you get to 35? ah, Let's say 30, like it's last year. So 33, four. Okay. You're so young. Um, And, and I guess the other thing I'm thinking is you you often came into the season very fit like you won a lot of you know early US cups and great world cup races early so what i struggle with is like it actually seems like it worked pretty well <laughs> to do these you know a little bit of time you know down in california with us or whatever uh you know national team camps but also lots of time at home doing other stuff education family you know i don't i don't know I, it just seemed to me like it, it worked well for you yeah, and like uh, it actually did. I think uh, the 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 counterpart of that, I think it it kind of uh, worked against me in in some years where maybe I traveled too much, or where, um, for instance, I didn't have a big enough base of volume to absorb all the, those racing and uh, and and training like that. So, um, but. The way I periodized my fall and winter, I think I always came on form. You said it, and that that's a fact. Like I, I rarely show, showed up in in March and April like off, and I think that's a lot with with the quality that I naturally add. I, I've always had speed, um, lacking maybe a, a bit of like endurance days to to help like spike that one or two times during the, the racing season later, later in the season, but it did, did work. Uh, it, it, it also worked a few times. So that's, that's fine. <laughs> um, okay. So then from there, I'm wondering, you, you mentioned you did, so your first thing you did is you did a mountain bike stage race coming out of retirement uh, as a tag team, which strikes me as a good way to do your first one. So did you fall in love with stage racing after, after doing that? Well, I already loved stage racing for the adventure, for the the, fr- the, um, the fraternity, like between racers. Um, you get to be close to like teams and racers and like the sponsors that are there and also the organizers. Like you get to know the organizer, the volunteer. And like these people are all like pa- as passionate as the racers about like cy- all things cycling. So that's, that's really nice. And um, yeah, it, it's been a bit of a, a vacation or we, we, my wife and I, we call it like a anticipated honeymoon because we did that a few months before getting married. Um, just celebrating like love and passion for sport and activity and for mountain bike. And, and we got to race in six different mountain bike network in the Quebec region, which was like outstanding. It was amazing. We loved it. But um, I think I already liked stage racing. I did race uh, the Israel Epic in 2018 with Andrew L'Esperance. And I also raced Cape Epic in uh, twin start of, well, March of 2018 in, uh, in South Africa, the biggest stage race in the, in the world. Uh, I raced that with uh, teammates from, uh, from Germany. Wow. Yeah, I, I love that. I love K- that. K- so Cape Epic is the biggest? Yeah, it's well the most biggest people? Like, like most people. I think it's most people. It's also eight days. Not many of them like oh. check the eight days box. 
Um, and, you know, it's part of their marketing, their identity, their image as well. Like, yeah, the, the untamed K-Papik in, in the backcountry and like hard stuff, harsh conditions. But Brazil actually has one that is, uh, is Brazil, right? It's seven-day stage race. I think the Swiss Epic is six or seven days, if I'm correct. There's been always the Transalp that is mm -hmm. a big one. In, in Canada, there's, there's also the big BC bike race. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many, uh, we always describe them as, you know, it's, it's like summer camp, right. For, for adults, you're going away, you have to race a bike in the morning, but then there's the rest of the day. You just hang out, you know, you have your tent or you have your whatever, right. You have meals in a mess hall, uh, in a lot of these. So yeah, it's just such a great time. Yeah. And like, as an athlete, I, I saw that event evolve and I was always so happy to see racers from, around the province from around Canada or like a few international racers come come to town come to Quebec region and enjoy the trails awesome yeah and I imagine you're pretty familiar with a lot of these areas absolutely yeah yeah which one's the best one like what's your favorite um I think that that's like everybody loves Valley Brodinard it's in a valley um it's the one that you feel the most remote um and their loop the way they 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 do it like i go there for vacation during the summer so i could ride or so i could train like it's beautiful that trail it's called the nelson and that's their signature trail and uh, i think they get the best photo out of that one but i'm 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 also like uh a bit that's not the correct word. Uh, um, You're biased. I, you I, I, yeah, biased. That's the word. Thanks. Yeah. With Santi du Moulin, which is in my hometown, where I do coach and guide uh, people, and that where there is La Raf, which is the the trail that they launched on the day I was in the in the Olympics. So, like, yeah, Santi du Moulin is, is the the biggest uh, bike center that sees the most uh, traffic. Most people come right so um yeah that one the stage everybody loves it and the the last two years i think they finished the the week in Santa de Moulin. awesome uh well we're on the stage racing topic you know there's always one of the questions is was there something you know that you did differently or that you find people do poorly uh at stage races or don't do enough you know is there like a particular thing that you find people forget um, well, I, I'm going to talk about pacing a little bit. Um, that's I think great. So, yeah, that's a mistake. There's so, there's so much we could, um, there's so much we could cover, um, with that question, like to do better or do different or that people do well, but with pacing, I think if you're going to do like, we're going to take, for instance, Quebec single track was six days next summer, it's going to be five days. Um, you cannot afford to feel like you're doing a cross-country Olympic one hour, one hour and a half, two hour race on day one. If you're doing that, you're going 10 out of 10 and the following two days, you're cracked. That's right. how you should feel after a cross-country Olympic two hour event. I always say, I always say, you know, this was your best 20 minute power of your life that you started the race with. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. How, how is this going to go after that? <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's very common. And I, I get it. Right. Because you're so excited and the group's going and you want to keep up. But yeah. So do you have any like how, how would you suggest someone pace that then? I think it's it's feeling like um, you must like day one should feel like you gave eight, eight out of 10. 
whether it took you one hour or four hour, that day should be like 80% of your, your capacity, maybe the number two, 8.5, then nine, 9.5. Just allow allow for maybe the last two days be like a ten out of ten. Like you want to finish the week empty. If you if you want to get the best out of it, I think that's a good way to to see it. Um, we we could go the the scientific side of things, but I think uh, there there's it's nice to vulgarize and and make this simple because it's quite simple. Feel some people are too like are too much about number, like let, let's keep it simple. Like you're in a race, there's so much happening. Uh, sure. It must not feel like, oh, I'm gonna blow up in half an hour, an hour. Yeah, I think so. And I think if it does, if, you, if you're too ambitious, it's not the end of the world, but you, you just, then there's the mental aspect where you need to say, okay, that was a little aggressive. You know, I need to bring it back, recover, get the food in uh, and, and start from here. <laughs> okay, yeah, Raf said eight out of 10. So carry on right exactly or like if we put it in eight out of ten if you do a cross-country race and you want to test it like on day one maybe like some people will be curious and they will want to do a local race at eight out of ten that's probably going to feel like five minutes slower on a one hour and a half race but Mm -hmm. that that's going to be a a significantly uh, lesser stress on your body right for sure. Yeah, there's definitely a limit there. Um, okay, I like that. You mentioned, is there anything to, you said this is getting even an aside then, you know, you talked about pacing. So I'm trying to pick little threads here and keep going with sure. it. Uh, you talked about micro pacing and I think I've heard this, but I, I don't know. I'm where, where are you going with micro pacing and sort of this idea for mountain biking? Yeah, I remember discussing that with, with the national team coach and like other athletes and and my concept of it is, really like you micro pace given your opponent like who's around you like am i going to be able to pass that rider that's slower ahead of me and tech he's slower technically than me like do i really have to fight him for the single track or should i let him open that gap in the climb so i climbed like a little bit easier but i'm going to close that gap like let's call it three watts like in in that descent and i'm going to catch him and then i'm going to even catch a ride on the flat with him afterwards but yeah that that's bringing physical with with tactical um Mm. you do have to be aware of your strength and weaknesses and your opponent's strength and weaknesses terrain awareness i I think Um, i see what you're saying so it's almost like a it's gameplay i guess right you're understanding the game and so the the strategy isn't always just to stay on the wheel Exactly. It, it might be, as you say, you can't get by them on this, but you know you're going to pull them back on the descent. So rather than riding your brakes down the whole descent, why not save energy on the climb and then coast back onto them? Exactly. And, and like yeah. the, the the other uh, the opposite of that would be like you do need to enter that that descent ahead of that guy that is stronger than you, so that you open the gap and that he's going to close it back on you on that next climb that you're not going to have to to redline yourself to to hang on with him. Um, I think a good example would be like, you know, a lot of, of your audience might be from the road, but I remember seeing uh, Peter Sagan raise the Pro Tour in Montreal and in Quebec. And he was doing the, the SAG climbing. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with that concept, but like if, whether you're a strong climber or no, if you wanna uh, save energy, conserve energy, and the peloton climbs 
that uh, Mont Royal climb in Montreal in like four or five minutes, and you start at the front and you finish at the back, you climbed with the peloton, but you made that climb 15 seconds slower for yourself so that you climbed at a lower intensity. So that, that's a bit like where, where I'm going with the micro pacing. And sure. I, I've been able to execute that a few times in, in races. And uh, I think power meter brought even more knowledge. So I, I could like fine tune that, that um, strategy and uh, yeah, work sometimes, sometimes doesn't. I love it. Yeah. And I mean, even in a mountain bike race, especially XCO, it might just be, as you say, maybe you're first and then like they pass you in the climb and it might be five or 10 second climb, but it might be the difference between I don't know, 800 watts versus 500 watts for 10 seconds or something. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I remember when we discussed before recording, um, I mentioned a bit like what we saw Ineos or Team Sky do. Um, You know, they let that people burn their match attacking hard, but they bring it back slow. That's also part of that micro pacing or like, I call it micro pacing, but call it pacing or... um, managing your energy managing your effort pacing i love it yeah this is a really interesting concept and i I think that i've been really enamored with this idea of you know gameplay and what's the game um you know similar mountain biking there's you know the start is just irrational if you don't start hard you know that's that's the nature of the game you can be mad about it but (laughs) if you go perfectly you know paced off the line you're not in the race um but there's strategy was within that uh, as well right and you can prepare for it and then you can also you know work work people over a little bit yeah and like being an athlete more like turbo than diesel like throughout my career i think i got that genetically um but also i got that maybe from swim comp when i was young like you know 30 second one minute two minute two minute events i never struggled with starts i never struggled with short efforts with accelerations change of pace during a race but i always had to remind myself of of those those um earthful i don't know if that's that's the proper word but that hurts like those spike of efforts they hurt you you do have to to Mm -hmm. pay for them yeah um and yeah part of it has been micro pacing for me like or i call it gentle throttle like be gentle with that throttle because (laughs) I, I had a big turbo throttle. I had to be careful with it. Right, right. And I'm the opposite, but I've tried to work on the attacks, but I actually at national. So I raced the, my first master's nationals this year. Um, and I was against. I saw Ra- that. Yeah. And Ryan Atkins, the obstacle course world champion was, was my main you know competition. And so I just had it in my head that I was just going to attack him and attack him and attack him. So the first lap, I was just vicious and I don't know why I thought I could ha- hold on to this, <laughs> but I just, I would figure, I figured I'd get him off my wheel and then I could just diesel in, but I blew myself up basically. <laughs> and then he just kept de- dieseling away and he got me at the end by maybe 30 seconds. But uh, I played that game very poorly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I think you're someone so humble and I respect so much as an athlete and as a coach. And uh, I think that that's what, Goss, uh, that that's what got us interested in, in challenging discussion about who you are as an athlete, who am I as an athlete, who you mm-hmm. are as a coach, who, I, who am I as a coach with, with our strengths and weaknesses. Like we, we did 
we both of us we we challenge each other with reflections about training you know you you've moved now you you had your physical education degree you've moved into coaching what have you found now that you're you're working up with other people's training and not your own sometimes that's a difficult transition have you have you enjoyed you know having other people out suffering and doing the work or what's that been like oh absolutely um i think uh i i feel the i love seeing the motivation of people like they're motivated like that was painful and i'm happy i, I nailed that training like i think that that's that's nice and uh, i like that's the physical side of things and um i think as a coach it's it's easy to pass on the kind of training maybe you were more familiar with uh more um uh proficient at like for me, it was it was all, always Pam and Viotomax. I was so good at, but like those long, those tempo and threshold, like I had a, a hard time doing them, and uh, I wasn't good at them. But yeah, like it's it's challenging to build those training because some people will need those, uh, or they they will be more motivated with these kind of trainings. And um, I think many kind of trainings have their place in, in, in an athlete's training plan and. Um, I loved going through the coaching level from 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 um, com- community coach to dev comp level three, and uh, I loved doing that. And I also studied and did the the instructor guiding and tech coach from PMBI. I did my level two last fall, and uh, I've been enjoying as well coaching technically. Um, and I do think that uh, a good uh, formation and that helps you like it's not only being able to nail the skill like I don't believe that the coach needs to be able to to do all these kind of things but it ne- you need to understand the mechanic of it the biomechanic of it and uh, how will you help your client um, your kids from school or your athlete um, feel like they can do it and and help them get closer to being able to to nail a skill or a feature for instance yeah i like it uh on the topic where you started there with the idea of the you know the pam and speed legs is what i always used to call <laughs> that was the quebec was and we what do we call it we call it map and I don't know, fast pedal or high cadence. So Pam and speed legs always struck me as a, a better way to <laughs> describe, you know, this yeah. cadence, cadence speed skill. And then the, you know, the VO2 max or that high intensity. Um, have you found already in your coaching, you know, a way that to help decide if someone's more on the the Pam and speed legs or more on the sweet spot threshold, steady diesel training? I th- I like to ask like what kind of, like to get to know the people, like what kind of interval do you like to do? What kind of interval do you not like to do? Which yes. one do you feel you're good at? Imagine which that. You're you... talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which one you feel you, you're not good at? And are you more that, that, uh, that, fat, that, that turbo or that diesel in terms of, of start, in terms of acceleration, in terms of like the grade of the climbs? I talked about the kind of interval that I like, but I think that's a lot related as well to your training partner as well, sometimes, or your opponent as well. Like, or your ter- terrain, even, right? Like the environment. Exactly. Like for me in town, it was all about like 
two to five minute climbs, like VO2 max. So like, I loved it. <laughs> I still do. <laughs> There's a story. I'm trying to remember which one to tell here or decide, but the, there was one about, I think it was Bjorn Dolly, like cross country skiing. Right. And I think he did six minute efforts or something. And everyone decided that six minute efforts were the thing to do. And then it came out eventually. I'm probably, you know, miss this story is probably not true, but um, it came out that he just had a six minute hill on the back of his house. And sometimes it was yeah. you know, a little faster, sometimes a little slower, but that was the hill he did his intervals on. Uh, there's nothing magical about like six minutes are not magical. Um, yeah. 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 The environment. All right. Yeah. I like that. And, and that works. Um, yeah. Um, so we have that. So I like that. Talk to the people. Um, and then what do you think, like, do you think that there's still a place for the thing you don't like then? I guess, you know, if someone's like, I love sprinting, you know, should they still have to go out and do tempo or should they go out and do tempo or long, slow distance? I think a good variety, whether it's gonna, like, especially when you're developing an athlete, like you should help them develop qualities that they might have never worked or that they might not even believe going to work like but get them get them to test them and like for instance go to the gym like be able to train in the gym because maybe at some point in your career you're going to need to actually do real training at the gym so i think it's uh it's helpful to to develop all those qualities um you know are you including i just do we include tempo or or the high intensity you know even if we don't like one or the other I think, yeah, uh, thanks for reminding me. I think it's uh, really important to not do everything, wanting to do everything at the same time. But I think there is place to maximize strength. And that's for sure going to be motivating for that athlete you're working at, uh, working with or that client. But also help them to minimize weaknesses or even make those weaknesses, maybe like just get them to be neutral or maybe like at some point get get to be one of their strengths um, yeah and you don't want to get beaten right like i guess that's the thing is i remember actually it was actually a quebec coach i remember consulting with way 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 back and he said something you know it was essentially at the beginning of your mountain bike race are you in the lead or are you behind and i was like oh yeah very much behind and he's like okay well pam and speed legs uh, <laughs> yeah, and like that, that gives you a, a good uh, screenshot of uh, the, the athlete's biolo- biology, biology, like f- physiology. And uh, yeah. what, I like to, what I like to ask as well is like uh, sport background, but not only the athlete, but like the genetic of the family, like is there a sprinter in the family or is there like a marathoner or like an ultra mar- like I give these running cliche, but I think it tells you a lot about the maybe the um, the genetic you're dealing with. Sure. Sure. And even if, you know, you wonder if I always go back to the environment is probably true too. You know, if your parents are out running for three hours, then that's probably more normal in your head uh, versus if they're going to track practice, you know, three times a week or something. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I wanted, we, we started on this. And so maybe this is, as we get towards the end here, you know, you, I've been playing around. I've been trying to learn French since I think we, maybe not even before, I guess they tried to teach me in school too. Uh, but I recall trying to learn French while we rode sometimes. Um, yes. 
one of my favorite memories is trying to remember the difference between straight and right. They're basically the same yes. word. <laughs> yes, yes. And in French, actually, like a, um, a safety rule, we try to avoid saying straight in French, which is tout droit instead of right, droit, because it's so confusing. Like we, we would use the word in English, straight, and we would use right, droit, because it's too confusing. <laughs> so, so now you've picked up five languages. Do you have any like strategies or, or do you think you've benefited because some of like you've lived in a lot of these places and sort of been immersed in some cases? Is that the secret maybe? I think the secret, like for, for me, like I, I, I think it's a good opportunity to, to speak about family experience and stuff. Like um, when I was in elementary school and high school, every Christmas for me wasn't about material. It was about uh, traveling in, in Latin America. Uh, I've been to many countries and it, it, it's always been with a backpack. So like whether it's, it's we, we travel by foot or with, with taxi and bus and uh, with, with um, small bedding breakfast, super simple, like cheap kind of travel, one, two, three weeks during Christmas. And during my high school years, it was on the bike because my sister biked as well, my parents as well. So yeah, that's, that's always been super fun. So like I picked up, Spanish, never having studied Spanish, but always being curious, connecting with people. Um, and yeah, my, my, my Spanish is really, um, I, yeah, as I said, I never studied, but uh, it, it's quite at a good uh, level. And I'm, I was actually uh, asked to be part of the Copachi mountain bike uh, federation committee for mountain bike so to to represent the north american countries so canada usa and mexico so we're we divided america in in, in four uh parts plus so like north america central america and south america plus one of the of the atlantic country and uh, yeah, like, I think that that's super nice. And it's about interest, like all these opportunities, you work on your language. And uh, I remember negotiating my first contract with my dictionary, um, French to English, like my first contract that I had as a, a young new chain free with Rocky Mountain, like I, you know, negotiating or like exchanging emails and, uh, and stuff. So, um, but later mm. end of my career, I learned Italian living in Italy and the uh, I learned Portuguese as well, and my I had to unlearn Spanish and Italian because they are three Latin language. Um, French does help me learn those language because it's all part of Latin. Um, but I think it really has to do with personality. I'm someone really curious about the culture, about where I travel to. I think it has to be uh, it has to do with immersion, like get your computer. To that language get your phone to that language um i i learned i listened to radio i listened to podcast i listened to youtube and netflix in the language i wanted to learn and uh, i i cannot say i can speak fluently like all those five languages but i can watch casa de papel in all those five languages no problem <laughs> Now, did you just say like you're what do you think of these things like Rosetta Stone or Babel or you know more of the apps? Do you think they they helped? Have you used them? 
I think they, they help a lot. And I remember uh, I got really curious about learning. You know, we, we're curious people, uh, educated, and like curious about training. I'm going to read about training. I'm curious about this stuff. I'm going to read about this stuff. And uh, I got curious about the learning process of learning a language. And yeah, these, these tricks that I shared are part of that. And uh, my, my wife always reminds me that we need someone in our environment that is native speaker. So for me, for language, for learning Portuguese, she's, she's the one, like I'm in a safe environment. Uh, she's not gonna judge me. She's gonna correct me sometimes, not always, um, so that I can get the volume going get the volume, the volume, the volume. And sometime like maybe periodically, she's gonna like, no, like you need to improve that, that, that. Um, so that I have that reality check. And, but you need some people that like will never correct you so that you get that volume as well. Um, that's one of the tricks that really uh, uh, strike me out of that, that research. And uh, Duolingo is, is the app that uh, I actually learned maybe 100 words on Duolingo when I first came to the Olympic in Rio in 2016. I wanted to speak a few languages. I remember I, I learned salmon, rice, water, hello, how are you? Thank you. Um, but yeah, like Duolingo, uh, I read an article three years ago uh, about that and uh, about language learning. And there was that guy from Tasmania, South uh, Australia, and he had uh, 2000 days strike on Duolingo, learning language every single day. And that uh, kind of inspired me uh, that uh, I got impressed. I was like, yeah, like I've been a professional athlete. I'm passionate about, uh, about stuff. I'm intense. And uh, ever since, like, it, it's not a challenge, but uh, like ever since, like I'm at 1,100 1, days now of, of learning Portuguese every single day on Duolingo. Um, they don't pay me, they don't sponsor us. And uh, it's the same for my wife. She's learning every day French and uh, our, my Portuguese is close to my uh, English level, I would say. So, yeah, it got really good, really quick. Okay, I like that. I like that, it, you know, you're, you're not saying don't use the apps, just go to some country abroad, but uh, there's a mix there is probably optimal. And uh, yeah, or immersion, like you, you need to multiply the, um, the exposure, like, like, you need to be in that country and you need to be in that country studying that language and listening to TV and, and radio and stuff. I think that that's, that's really good. And once you're, when you're not there, maybe you, you do a lot of other stuff when you're, you're back home and you cannot expose yourself as much. Right. I've heard, you know, even just in cycling, it's probably even beneficial, right? You could start reading Spanish cycling content or, you know, and there's probably other stuff we never yeah. see in Canada. Uh, about cycling and so now it's actually beneficial and you want to read it because there's oh, all the Spanish cycling gossip or, or whatever right yeah absolutely and I think one of the first things is I I started following uh you know the the athletes I I knew from Brazil and uh and a few from Portugal and and it's nice like you so get even to know... social media could be helpful absolutely <laughs> you're already like, on there wasting your time you may as well learn I like it like I think I think the cycling community, like if there's passionate about mountain biking for for a long time, like everybody knows, Jose Antonio Hermida is the one that invested in Instagram Live. I he was doing live every single day during the pandemic. <laughs> I remember and, that. And is that that's in Spanish too? 
Yeah, that was oh, in Spanish. So there you go. I, yeah, you get this yeah. content, but you only understand it if you're if you're studying your Spanish. Yeah, exactly. So that's, <laughs> that's fun. That's good. But I I think the base is is having an interest, you know, um, or or expose yourself to interesting content. Well. Raf, I could talk to you all day about training and coaching and everything else. Um, but I think that's a good place to end today on, on language on, you know, you've got come to all these languages through sport, which I think is, you know, central to our consummate athlete ideas that we want to spiral out into, you know, meeting good people, you know, learning other things. Uh, so you're really uh, embodying that. And so I'm thankful that you were here to share this today. Yeah, I'm happy I was here. Thanks for the thanks for the invite. And I, I think you, you, you really summed it up well. And what I think is, is, you know, training and racing, it, it's beautiful stuff. And uh, we're, we're all human as, aspiring to be healthy and happy. And uh, I think uh, sport and cycling is, is a good way to, uh, to accomplish that. Okay. And classic final questions. Uh, if someone wanted to follow you on social media, how would they find you on uh, the social medias, Raph? They could write my full name, Raphael Gagné. Uh, my main platform is Instagram. I still use my Facebook a little bit and my blog has been abandoned for 13 years. Oh, blogs. Good old days. Uh, and if someone was looking to get a tour uh, of the finest Quebec trails, could they, they could sort of reach out via social media or is there anywhere else they can find your, your guiding and coaching services out there in Quebec? Yeah, for now, like uh, it's good that we finish with that. Like we're, we're uh, wanting to structure more, um our partnership with Santé du Moulin like it's the it's called the Académie Santé du Moulin offert par Raphaël Gagné so it's it's uh it's guiding it's initiation class and it's it's uh technical coaching as well they could reach out to the website of the bike center and they would find the the academy the the guiding the coaching stuff there or they could reach out uh straight to me and uh, we we also do on demand um also outside of the the trail network so super uh and we'll link to that in the show i think i've seen your your links for the academy as well uh so that's perfect already all right that was a pleasure talking with you guys thanks so much for tuning into the consummate athlete podcast if you want to hear more training racing and endurance sport advice make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review you can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox